I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. Sunderland are back to winning ways in the league and we are going to talk about that overcoming Ipswich 2-0 at the weekend, the first league game. It seems in what seems like forever, but not a bad thing considering they were going into this one three defeats in a row in the league. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsworth, is Gareth Barker, as always. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Enjoy the match. Weren't expecting that, were you? I wasn't, no. No, uh, see, I've been thinking about things. What couldn't well, that's be what you, you've be been thinking week? about? Who knows? Who knows? Um, that was the fruit of, of your thinking labour, was it? Yeah, I was thinking about it during the match. <laughs> God, was that bad? It was like one of them where you were like looking at the clock going, 60 minutes. Like I've been here for like <laughs> forever, like two days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was that enjoyable. Mm. Oh, yeah, maybe um, James could corroborate that. Well, James is James Hunter, of course, and he's joining us um, from the Evening Chronicle. Did the match seem like it was about two days long to you, James, as well? Uh, at least two days. At times, I felt like I'd been there the whole international break. I thought, have they, have, have they locked me in? You know, it did seem to drag on a lot. I was waiting for that first shot on target. Like the... Uh... The, the Simpsons representation of football when they have the crowd riots and they yeah. show you the game as a Portugal against Mexico or something. Yeah. And uh yeah. yeah. Wing back the like. centre. Um it wasn't it wasn't quite um like that. Um but it was wasn't far off when Ipswich had the ball because that was kind of their thing. Um keeping hold of the ball but they didn't really have any any change, change of pace in the game, which is interesting because given some of the players that had um, Alugo looked quite tidy on the ball, as you'd expect as a player who played a level above for quite a while. Um, and the lad, I can't remember his name, was it Davison or something? I can't remember. The number 29 who played on the left-hand side was a decent player as well. Um, and then the Edwards, Edwards, was it? Edwards, Edwards that's the one, Edwards. yeah. That's the one. And then uh, you had uh, Selena for them as well, who's played again at a higher level consistently. Um, but he never really got into the game. I think that was a case of the. I think that was a story of the game. Really, it was just nothing. Nothing ever got going for for either side, really. And obviously, it was a mistake that uh, from the goalkeeper that led to our led to our goal. They've been they've walloped a couple of decent teams recently. So they put four past Wigan, four past Portsmouth, I think. Um, or they did fire a blank against um, Oxford in in the last mm-hmm. league game. So what are we 
we put this down here then because they are a team with lots of uh, attacking ability. If Sunderland's set up in a certain way, do we think? Um, I don't want to say going back to basics, but to just try and make themselves difficult to beat firstly. And then that's that's resulted in Ipswich looking a bit toothless because three defeats going into this in the league and Ipswich, one of the informed teams in the division. I think I think they had to, to some extent, um, have a, more of a back-to-basics approach because obviously the one thing that they couldn't afford on Saturday was a fourth defeat, wasn't it? A fourth straight defeat. So the first thing first was to was to prevent what had gone in, in the previous games, you know, against uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham, where Sunderland were just far too easy to score against, too easy to play against, and much too easy to score against. Um, so yeah, there was a lot a lot more um, attention paid to tightening up. I think defensively. Um, and I think as Gareth said, you know, Ipswich controlled the, the possession and had the vast majority of the ball, but in the second in the first half they created some chances but didn't take them. In the second half, um they had lots of possession but didn't really create anything either. Um and of course uh, Sunderland didn't create much, let's let's be honest about it, until that last five minutes when uh, you know they got the Two shot, two shots on goal. The only two shots on their only two shots on on goal of the game, and um, put them both away. I mean, both had there was an element of, of good fortune about both. Um, firstly, the mistake by the Ipswich keeper Christian Walton um, uh, com- coming for the corner and, and not getting there, getting caught up in traffic, which you know let Luke O'Neill's header really just sort of bobbled in, <laughs> really. Um, and then, of course, the, the penalty, which was um, a laughable decision. But, hey, Sunderland have had plenty of those decisions go against them over the years. So when you get a gift, let's not let's not question it too much. And the game was done then, wasn't it? I don't think it was. can use that as a, as a no. as harsh as the penalty scene because, you know, he was close yeah. range, wasn't he? You can't really use that as... If it was nil-nil, <laughs> if it was nil-nil, yeah. that would have been different. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, the fact that that it was so late in the game and Sunderland were leading, then uh, yeah, it didn't have a major bearing on on the outcome. Well, to, in order to tighten up, uh, he's made some changes. I know when the the team sheet came out, people were trying to get their head round who was going to be playing where because there were that many midfielders' names on the on on the team sheet. As it happens, Luke or nine has gone back to full-back. Jack, I mean, left-back rather than right-back. Jack Ross always told us, James, he was a full-back. Um, we aren't going to, um, you know, we, we're not going to do any, we're not going to rewrite history here. There was stages last season when we and others were questioned whether Luke O'Neill could actually put, be deployed in midfield because of the forward runs he makes, because of the lack of goal Fred Sunderland had there last season. Um He's been playing in midfield predominantly this season, and was Jack Ross right all along? Is he a fullback, Luke? It's it's hard to say, isn't it? Because I've seen I forget whether it was whether it was Jack Ross or or maybe Phil Parkinson. Can't remember, but but one of the two of them uh, was convinced that he'd wind up as a, a left sided centre half. So I've I've seen it from from all sides. People have have been saying saying that he'll end up playing in, in a different position. Um, I mean, he certainly he brings different qualities to each of those positions, really. I mean, when he does play in midfield, he's got great energy, as as we know. I mean, you can pick faults that he doesn't do certain things, right? But he does bring some strengths to that position. Um, but he's very, um, you know, uh, uh, competent at left back too. Um, 
so I'm, I was quite well. I was pleased to see him play there. Obviously, when you knew that um, uh, Sirkin was injured, um, the question was going to be, well, who's going to play left back? Is it going to be Luke O'Neill or Dan Neal, as he did in those first few games of the season? Um, and of the two of them, while Dan Neal did nothing wrong in those uh, first few games of the season, I was pleased that it was Luke O'Neill, just because he's played there more, he's more experienced. If you have to play somebody out of position, I'd rather it be the older, more experienced head rather than the younger lad. And Dan Neal looks like he's got more about him in midfield, certainly in yeah. terms of a goal threat and an assist, doesn't he? Let's be frank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... Could have been playing anywhere on the pitch, really. With a header, I'm not sure how much it impacted that he scored because, as you said, the keeper just went wandering, walk about to kind of just see the hit off his head and then and then roll it in the net. But you'll take them. Um, uh, it's an alarming situation, Gareth, the, the fullback one now, isn't it? I mean, it's it's frustrating in that you know, one nine's finally gone back there. Um, I know it's been broached on a few pods pre. Prior to this, it was like, well, if we could just swap Winchester and all nine around, we'd probably be looking, you know, a little better. Um, and now, obviously, the opportunity to do that isn't there. He's gone to left back because he's had to. Um, and, you know, the the injuries that have sort of come about have, you know, created this, this kind of problem we've got now where, you know, we can't even do that now. You know, I would say that, it would be good to get Winchester in midfield as an option instead of Evans because, um, you know, he looked really good in that first game and since then um, he's been pretty average. So it's it's a bit of a tricky one. Uh, they've got problems kind of in multiple areas, really. I think on, on 09 he did really well, I thought, considering at the weekend. I know some people might have different opinions, but I thought the whole back four played well, including the two centre-backs. Um, and the goalkeeper as well made that good save in the first half. I'm not going to call it a triple save because if he that third one goes in, I think people would have um, driven it's him double out. Double save, the isn't it? So well, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a. Let's just say it's a it was a good good piece of goalkeeping. Yeah, good piece of goalkeeping. Let's say that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not crediting that third one as a save. I think people need to calm down a bit. Imagine if he'd let that in. <laughs> If you haven't saved the previous two, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then let that in. Imagine, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what the reaction would have been. So I'm not counting that as a save. Um, Te- technically, it's a triple save, but really, yeah, we all know right. it's a double save. A double okay, save. then. Right. Okay. Um, is it like when they used to like let people take penalties at half time, and if there was like an eight year old, they let them take it from the edge of the uh, six yard box, and then the, they'd let it in, and then they'd score, yeah. and they'd go, "Oh well, he scored a penalty." Yeah, the exactly, like like exactly like that. Exactly like that. It's a brave call that you'd have mentioned the, the change at the back because, um, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't, I know, Bailey Wright's been criticised heavily this season. Yeah. Um, Flanagan, I'm not sure what is he, as he said, was it just a hangover from playing for Northern Ireland midweek or has it been any goals? He just dropped them. Has it been any comment on that, James? Uh, he just said, um, really. I forget what the phrase was that he used. It was something to do with just taking into account all the circumstances, which I, I took to mean... Um, Don't mean anything, you know. Well, it, it, <laughs> it could mean anything, but but knowing sort of how, how Lee Johnson looks at these things, I'm guessing you will have taken into account the number of games that Flanagan's had. The fact that he's, in the last couple of games, he's, he's he levelled a dip slightly. Um, that... Uh, um, Obviously, they had 
been roughed up in the last couple of games. You bring in Bailey Wright, who's a bigger physical presence. And obviously, Flanagan had been away with Ireland and had uh, uh, travelled about quite quite a bit. So there was possibly an element of, of uh, you know freshness bringing Bailey Wright in there. Uh, I had no problem with, with, with that call. I mean, Bailey Wright hasn't um, been as good this season as he has uh, last season um, by any stretch of the imagination. But then... Um, he hasn't had a consistent run of starts this season, so I guess you know it's difficult to to get up to um, full speed in in that case. So I was I was glad to see him come in and play well uh, on Saturday. Um, now, of course, you're looking ahead to the Shrewsbury game tomorrow, and and I personally, I, w- I would keep him there and, and keep Luke O'Neill at left back. I don't see any need to change that well, back will, four because it played well. We'll get to the Shrewsbury game. Um, Sorry, certainly. I'm leaping ahead. I'm leaping no, ahead. No, no, don't worry about that. It's fine. Um, were you, was there any surprise, Gareth, that you know we don't have any full-backs? So was there any surprise you didn't think about going to back three? Um, I mean, I think... I mean, you know, we've won the we've back four, we've won the game, but I'm just thinking, yeah. like, this, this feeds into what, what a decision you could make long-term. Yeah, he could. I guess you could put Gooch to wing back on the left and have Winchester oh, on no. the right. Or nine on the right. Or nine on the right, and put, choice put, to me, yeah, I'll put yeah, and put um, Winchester back in the middle as an option. Um, I get yeah, it, it is an option. I know some people see that as a a defensive setup. I mean, I, you know, obviously over the years we've just just the three at the back so many times, and you know, my opinions on it, it's not. I don't think. I think it's probably it arguably can be the most attacking system you can play. Um, because you've got so many essentially forward options. Um, I, I don't feel like he's going to do that. <clears throat> you know, he's talking about bringing somebody in. Um, you know, is he looking at, is he going to look at fullbacks that are available and midfielders that are available? We need fullbacks. You can't not go and try and sign. No, but I'm just saying if if you're looking at the options and going, well, are the fullbacks available better than Winchester and 09? Mm, okay. Do I bring in a mid? Do I bring midfield cover in? Are you talking about just like short like that? to get somebody on the on the? Well, he's talking about it's, it's, it's been brought up. So like yeah. Johnson's brought up after the game about you know exploring the possibility of bringing in a free transfer, and it must be something that they're looking to do relatively quickly because. Obviously, the the windows in, opens in six weeks anyway. So, um, I wasn't sure that, that he meant um, uh, a free transfer when he said that. He said they'd go out and look in the open market. That was the words that he used. I took that to mean in January, um, because again, you know, when we've spoken to him in the past about free transfers outside the window, and I'm talking about last season um, when we were, were looking at. Um, bringing in uh, centre-halves because that was the problem position yeah. then. He has a big thing about it. He said, well, yeah, okay, you bring you bring somebody in, but they haven't been pl- they haven't been playing. You know, what level have they been training at? You've got to get them up to speed. Then you've got to get them match fit. By the time you did that with with a defender, if you sign a, a free transfer fullback tomorrow, by the time you get him up to speed and then match fit, you're nearly at January anyway. Maybe I got you, so, you're right. So, so in, 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 my, in my feeling, he was talking about January. I thought yeah, okay, but he had no, but he had no op. He had no options. I think you know. Last year we did have options at centre half. 
Yeah. Whereas we are literally playing midfielders at fullback. We haven't got any options. Uh, I think yeah. maybe that's, you know, when you get to that stage, you're probably maybe looking at it a bit differently because if one of them gets injured, then who goes back there? Who who Like if one of those players gets injured, it's going to have to be someone from the, you know, the, the lad who played at fullback in the, in the um, Bradford games on loan at Spennymoor. I mean, that's the level they believe him to be. So it's not. And when we had, when we had no fullbacks to start the season, and Dice had been playing through preseason, he didn't even get a squad number. So no, he's not going to go all that road, is he? Yeah, I mean, and you can't. I think taking Dan Neal out midfield would be incredibly foolish. Like because we haven't got really. I mean, Embleton is low key poor. He's been when he's been available, aside from a sending off when he hasn't been available because of that. When he has been available, he's been pretty pretty poor, really, for the last couple of months, I would argue. Um, you know, and he's the guy in the middle of the park, it, aside from, from Neil. So if you remove him, you got an out of form Embleton. Pritchard's offered let's be honest, he's offered little or nothing in in the time that he's had, um, which is a shame because you'd hope a player who's played at, again, higher level consistently when he's been fit, you'd think he'd he'd look a bit better than he has than he has shown. Um, Gooch has been out, all the wingers have been out of form, I would say. So, it's it, you know, and I think that has, I think that's borne out in the stats probably if you look at it, you know, the, the first sort of 10 games I were winning all those games, it was a shit when we commented on here, the sheer volume of chances that we were creating in games. Um, the Burton game being the prime example, people weren't annoyed about the fact we lost the game because we should have won the game. And there was an argument to say that first 10 games, we should have pretty much won every one of them. Um, and nobody could have had an argument if that had been the case. Um, I mean, the, 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 so and, and the, then the, and the then express all disappointment of the fans has only really come after the Rotherham game, hasn't it? Like, even the Portsmouth game when. We got pumped four yeah, 0 Was you know you factored in the, the weather, weather was the... you know, and I know it was the same for both teams, but we didn't have the players. I didn't have the know how on the day to handle the conditions. They did. I think the argument is you play that again in normal conditions, you'd probably back yourself. It's only the way we've just the wheels have apparently just blown off in the last three league games. Really, yeah. it's still at home. They've won. Am I right? Five out of six in the league. Was it six what? out of seven? Six, out of seven, six out of seven. No, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. And the crowd's been okay, James, at home. I, you know, we lost to Charlton. I don't think the crowd, you know, they weren't booed off the pitch. To, oh, so there's you know, been a lot. Of, there's been, I've been reading lots of stuff about, you know, supporters and it's been fine, how, support, it? how supporters should should be behaving, what supporters should be doing, and how they should be conducting themselves and all that. And you just think, well, it's 32,000 there nearly every week. And it's been. <laughs> Like it's been fine. Like there's, there's. It hasn't been like negative or like like on Saturday in particular. It was flat at times because there was nothing to get excited about. But at times the crowd was trying to get the team going and you know roar, trying to you know get a bit you know get a bit of energy into the team. And I think there was a period in the middle of the first half where they did that and immediately Sunderland responded. But after that they went flat again. It's a two-way street, um, you know. The, the you've got to you've got to give people something, um, which wasn't happening. So, yeah, I think 
I think it, I feel as though like there's been a lot of discussion about supporters recently and how what support support should do or what how they should think about this or what what they should do and with their opinions about managers or certain individual players or whatever and you just think well you know probably scrutinizing the you know the wrong the wrong people people haven't been like you know taken to the streets with pitchforks and like flames over you know over the fact that Lee Johnson's a manager just some people are, are annoyed and seen a pattern and then they express that the feelers or they'd, they'd like a change other people are happy to see how it pans out and, and stick with them if that Surely it's always been like that. Like when you when you follow in football, like it's weird, isn't it? I don't know. No, I've kind of gone on a tangent there, but no, it I mean, doesn't it doesn't feel like there's like the way supporters have been at the moment is any different to any other any other season I've ever followed the club. Um I mean I had we lost on Saturday, James. I could have you know, I mean they didn't. Yeah. But you know, I think this we always said that, you know, football can can turn so quickly and this seemed like a really crucial game in that because we've yeah. got three or four games now coming up you think really Sunderland should be winning those it's a chance to put the put the run back together you know Plymouth lost at the weekend um you know they're, they're in the mix still aren't they so yeah. it was it, it could have really gone the other way had we lost though um and we didn't so that that's that's a positive but as Gareth said it doesn't feel like you know the fans are turning, particularly some some people being loud on social media. As always, that's a societal thing, as we've discussed many times. Yeah, it's, uh, I thought it was it was a pivotal game on Saturday. Obviously, not in the course of a, uh, a promotion challenge or a promotion win. I mean, you know, you you're not far in, into the season. You know, you're nowhere near even halfway yet. Um, so, not in that sense. But in terms of the mood, I think it was pivotal. Um, you mentioned the Charlton game. There was no um, real sense of <clears throat> um, uh, anger after losing that game. That was at the start of the. Um, uh, that that was a, a defeat, which at the time nobody knew that would be the start of a three-game losing streak in the league. Um, and the anger that day was directed towards the referee. Um, so there was a there was a lightning rod for for people's anger was, was the referee. Now, then, of course, you have the the um, two heavy, well, the, the heavy defeat at Rotherham, and then the the defeat at uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, then you got the two uh, cup games. You got the FA Cup exit uh, against Mansfield, and then the trophy dead rubber, unconvincing draw, etc. Against Bradford, um, they were both in, in front of very very small crowds, so there was no real. Um, opportunity there for for people to um, to make their feelings known. I mean, people people booed, but you know, the, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, like thirty thousand fans um, giving the players pelts or anything like that. Um, so Ipswich was was the key game, and they had to make sure that they didn't concede early. I think had they conceded early on Saturday, then I think you know the the fans would would have. Uh, you know, been very frustrated, very angry, and and then it would have been a case of how would the players respond to that, um, particularly where you've got young players. I'm, just, you know, I'm not picking him out um, for any other reason than because he's a good example, which is Cal- Callum Doyle. Just given his age, you don't know that you could add Dan Neal in there too. You know, th- these are young players um, in their teens, uh, and they've never been in a situation where where there's thirty thousand fans putting them under severe pressure and 
you know, the, the sort of sighs and groans that you get from a from a big crowd when passes go astray and things. Um, and nobody knows how a young player will deal with that. Thankfully, we didn't have to find out on Saturday because that wasn't the way it went. Um, but yeah, that's why I thought that, that game against Ipswich was was so so pivotal. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of kind of losing me, me thread a little bit bit here. I mean, Gareth was was saying about the mood and and, and uh, uh, what have you. I, I always think that the mood on if, if you take the temperature of the mood on on social media, it's always so different to to within the stadium. Of course it is. Um, a very very small number of um, loud voices on social media make a lot of noise. Um, you know, you can have a hundred or one hundred and fifty fans who are who are very very dead set on um, a change of manager or you know have it in for a certain player, um, and it, and it sounds like the whole world's against you. But actually, in the ground itself, when there's thirty thousand fans, one hundred and fifty people. Uh, Okay, well, in, in the ground, there's probably more than 150 people that hold that view. But even if it's a, even if it's a thousand people, a thousand out of thirty thousand doesn't sound like a like a lot, does it? You know. Um, so I think that that you really get the, the temperature of of uh, what fans think by listening to the reaction in in the ground. And there's no sense that um, uh, that that anything like a majority of the fans or even a large proportion of the fans. Um, was agitating for for change against Lee Johnson, but you don't get that same impression when you're on social media. Where, as I say, you get uh, a, a small number of people make a lot of noise, um, and they're absolutely entitled to their opinion. Don't get me wrong; I'm I'm not saying that, that they're not. I'm just saying that it doesn't. It's not representative of a, of a wider feeling, in my opinion. It probably goes both ways as well, though, doesn't it? You know, the <clears throat> people who are like vehemently the other way. Yeah. You know, I'd want it, you should stay for this reason or that reason. You know that, you know those. There'll be a small group of people with that view, and that'll be amplified by them and and other people as well around those people who want to push that view as well. So, I mean, you get that that ridiculous. I mean, we think saw again at the weekend. It was, you know, I think I saw more comments about. You know, people being nasty, like, well, people should stop being nasty to Luke Nine. I saw more of them. Than actual comments about people being nasty about Luke O9. And it was just like, well, now we've got these all these people talking about people being nasty to Luke O9, which means that everyone hates Luke O9. Well, no, there's that's we've just created this this fallacy, yeah. you know. It's and I think you know, kind of mentioned it again at the weekend, we're kind of going on a bit of a tangent, but it's just the nuance is just gone. Like you can't have like you can't, it's like you've got to think this thing about this player or this manager or whatever and think it's so hard and so much that anybody who has a slight disagreement means that there's no point you can't have a discussion about it like it means yeah. that you know it's like it's just completely irrational it's you know it's, it's possible to have you know middle in opinions you know based on you know, certain information, it, it's, that's what it always used to be like, I felt as though, where it does feel as though now it's it's gone a little bit, like because of the way social media is, you can kind of amplify your voice um, and it's there forever. It's not like somebody says something, or fo- shouts something at a football match, it's gone. You know, you yeah. tweet something or you, you know, post something, you write something, if you're a blogger or whatever, you, 
say something on a podcast and it's there forever unless you delete it or yeah, change it. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I delete stuff. If, if you just yeah. get, write some episodes down and we can go back and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> they're, all the still, they're all still there. I think if you've got two football fans in, in a pub talking about Luke O'Neill and one holds one view and one holds another, then, you know, um, it's debated and people disagree and people see the other person's point of view, might not agree with it, but see the other person's point of view. Very rarely do you get two entrenched views where it winds up in a fist fight. Occasionally it happens over, over these things, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, but on social media, but on, on social media, you, it's the, op- the opposite thing happens where someone says, this is my opinion on Luke O'Neill. And if you think differently to me, yeah. then, then you're an absolute idiot. Yes. So that, he's that talking is, about. Yeah. And that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen when there's two people talking yeah. to each other in a pub face yeah. to face. Because you'd probably get your head slapped off probably, wouldn't you? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite, but, 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 but that's the point, isn't it? You know, on social media, it's this is what I think. And if you don't think the same as me, you're an absolute idiot. You know nothing about football. In fact, you shouldn't even be on Twitter. Get it, you know, you should go go follow go follow Newcastle. And I and you see that loads on Twitter, don't you? Well, you're obviously a mag then, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure it's not just a Sunderland thing. This happens at other football clubs where as well. You know, they say, well, if you don't agree with me, then you might as well go and follow somebody else. And, and that doesn't happen when two people are debating yeah. down a pub or on a podcast. I think that's the same. And the, the tone of the tone of debate is I think you've summed it up perfectly there. That is the tone of debate. That's like I'd kind of stopped bothering with Twitter and I've recently sort of thought, well, I would go back on and regulate it a bit more and see how I feel about it. And that it, it is interesting when you when you do go back in and read it and you think like, wow, it's sometimes it is, it is that it is exactly that. It's like, well, I think this, and if you're thick if you don't agree with me, like you must be stupid if you can't see yeah. the same thing as as me. Well, no, I mean, if that's how that's if that's how it worked, like you know. Every every manager were trying to sign the same group of eighteen players because everyone else is crap compared to those eighteen players. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, it's just a strange. It's just a strange thing in football. It's a, it always it's a game of opinions, and some people fancy a player, some people won't fancy a player for whatever reason. People look for different things. People see different things in the game. The penalty, you know. Some people argue, you know, oh, it was a penalty in the rules of the game. It's a penalty or whatever the laws of the game. That's given against us at the weekend. That's not a penalty. It's too I think the referee, I think the referee, referee would have been lucky, especially at nil-nil and given against you. I think you'd be lucky to get out if alive. He's, if he's five yards that. further back when he hits it, it's a penalty. Yeah. But he wasn't. It's too. You can't. You can't get your hand out of the way in time. Uh, it's funny how Lugo Nine centered around all these things. Like, um, you know, <laughs> Phil Parkinson thought he was a centre half. Jack Ross thought he was a right back. Lay Johnson plays him in midfield, and he seems to just divide the fan base. Um, you know in terms of whether you rate him or not. Um, for the record, like as I've said before, I just think he's all right. I mean, neither the love or hate camp. I like him as a fullback. I think he's a good fullback. He's got loads of really good attributes. He's got great engine. His fitness is fantastic. Um, so he can get up he and gets, down. He gets in good positions when he's, when he's good, playing fullback. He gets when, in when good positions. Forward, he does, yeah. Going forward. To put an excellent ball in the first half, which Stuart, it was a really difficult chance actually, but it was a perfect cross. Um, you know, he, so he's with his left foot, he's he's capable. Um, you know, he's 
because Endeavour can't be questioned. Great attitude. Um, you know, his defensive qualities. Positionally, sometimes it's a difficult one, especially when he's playing left-back. Right-back, I don't think so much an issue. Left-back, probably a bit harder. Um, but, you know, I, think, I would say, like, in terms of there's not... I think if you put Lugo 9 at full-back, you're going to get a 7 out of 10 performance every week. Every week. Um, and that's why I'd have him there. Um, <laughs> things I don't like are this, you know... Like, when you're going through a bad run, the little things are highlighted. And, like, doing... You just do stupid, like pretending to get hit and falling over and rolling round, and that free kick where he's lying on the floor. He decides he's going to take a free kick while he's lying on the floor, and that you're like, "What are you doing? Like, stop it! Like, you just needs like the PE teacher to come over and like tell him off, sort of thing. It's like, stop doing these things. Why are you doing that? Have you eradicated that. I know some people like the. Yeah, Ricks. The, the, that sort of thing, because I think it's like, oh, well, other clubs do it to us, or it's good for, but we've got somebody in our team who does it to them. What I like to see more of in the first half, like when we're flat, you know, I want to see some voices. That's what I want to see. And I would argue we've probably lost that this year. We've lost that from last year. We've gained a lot of stuff this year, I think, in terms of we've got a more athletic team, a team with a bit more pace, um, youthful. Um, but then I think we have a lost maybe some more older experienced heads um, and we haven't replaced them well enough um, in, you know, multiple different ways, you know, not only ability, but in terms of the way they conduct themselves on the pitch, you know, I think is, is we've been playing, you know, Luke nine and, and Corey Evans in that centre midfield. Are they better in centre midfield than Max Power? I don't think they are. Like personally, from what I've seen, um, and I know it's only sixteen games, but I, I think well, I think we've downgraded in that position. When I when now I'm looking at it, you know, after a number of games, um, that's that's just my opinion, and I'd be Scout looking. Playing for Wickham as well. Regularly. Sorry, and playing for well, Wickham yeah, as well. I, I, I don't miss him. <laughs> Come on, I was trying to get well, that out. I was trying to, I was trying to get a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a change of opinion from me. Oh, he's so bad he was. Like, like <laughs> I know it's football's about opinions again, and some people would probably disagree, but dear me. People say this people people would be saying the same to me, what I've just said about Max Powell. They'll be sitting there listening, going, You're talking rubbish. But I'll tell I you think... what, you, t- you know that shot over the bar in this playoff semi-final people going on about. Would the reaction have been the same if Luke 09 had done that? That the, the reaction was for Max Power? No. It wouldn't well, have been. I think you've got, a point got diff- I think people have got that's the thing in it. People look at different players and project certain things, you know, because of that. But again, that's people are always going to see the good and the players are like and the worst and the players are done. So, well, some, lots of things to, to expand on on that front. We haven't really talked like, about see, the, um, we know it's a, the game was a waste of time because uh, we've talked about not the game for like 20 minutes of the podcast. So, that's fine. It's fine. But if you want that, then you listen to a reaction pod. This is this is the thing. So the reaction pod, if you don't know, comes out on a Saturday. Uh, not the best one to navigate you to, to be fair, this week, because the lads forgot to record it or they, <laughs> they um, failed to record it. So they, they quickly hash one together 
um, and when I you can hear all the um, the in mm. the on Russian traffic and the wind and everything. But you know, content is content. And have to get Matthew we, a, a new dialing one for his. We need to be volunteers. So if you want solid content about the match. The reaction part is where you need to go to with Matthew on a Saturday. We bring that from a pub. Obviously, then we just reflect on that and the wider picture a little bit more. That's what we're here for. And then Matt comes back to preview the next game. So we'll we will we'll preview the the um, Shrewsbury game because we're playing on Tuesday, of course. So and um, just expand on what you were talking about there, Gareth, in terms of you know who Sunderland have let go and how that links into who we need to go and get in January in the shape of a squad. Now we've managed to finally get a win. Um, to halt the uh, poor run of form. So we'll take a little bit of a break now and we'll come back and do all that. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. Cargo shorts. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Bucket heads. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, we will have a quick discussion now about the about the game um, at Shrewsbury, and then I think just finish up by just having a, a general little chat about where we think Sunderland are um, in terms of squad depth, form, and um, what we're expecting in January, what we hope in January. Um, right, so Shrewsbury, uh, did we lose here last year? I think we did, didn't we? Yeah, it was um, twice. It was Shrewsbury. It, Shrewsbury was um, absolutely bitterly cold. It was the night when Kirill first turned up at a game. Yeah, it was. Um, and was pictured at, at the game, a Sunderland game for the first time. Um, and it was absolutely perishingly cold. They were my two memories of going to Shrewsbury in February, February time, wasn't it? It was absolutely perishing. Um, form. I think J- Jake Vaughan's played, didn't he? And he had an absolute nightmare. Um, I remember. And Remy Matthews also played and dropped the ball in the net. I think um, for one of the goals, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, and then the season before, I think it was one of Park might have been Parkinson's second or third game. And we lost 1-0. Mm. So we won in the first season. Um, with an own yeah, goal, I think it was. And Luke O'Neill scored his first goal. Luke O'Neill scored, he did, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Well. Um, yeah. Um, look, just looking at Shrewsbury's uh, October form. So they lost uh, at Ipswich um, early in October. They beat MK Dons at home. 
who are one of the form teams, uh, lost at Oxford. They stuffed Cambridge home 4-1 um, and they drew at Lincoln. Um, so the form's not bad, really. They lost to Cheltenham the weekend, but that's, you know, that's a I mean, sign of a side who's half decent, beating MK Dons at home. Um, yeah, they had, a there, bad, they had a bad start, didn't they? Um, <clears throat> they had a bad start. Um, and they've, yeah, I've picked up recently, but they're still in the bottom. Oh, they're in the bottom three, I think, though, still. Or well, maybe bottom four, I'm pretty sure. They are fourth of bottom. Yeah. So, Which is a relegation spot in this division. Yeah. They've only won four games and they've lost 10. So, so, but that, that, I mean, they've won four games all season, but two of them have, have come this month, uh, have come recently yeah. against decent teams. So. Yeah, maybe. No, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure we should like. I'm not. To, no, look. Every game, like every game we play, it's going to be. You've got to approach it in the manner it's it's going to be a tough game because it, we always have everyone wants to beat, everyone wants to beat us. You know, we, we have that. We have always have that sort of, you know, target on our head sort of thing. Um, so it's going to be taken taken for granted, but at the same time. You can't be looking at games against Shrewsbury and Cambridge and um, Morgan and going, oh well, you know they've they've done all right. They're in decent form or whatever. You got to put them away. I mean, with, with the next four games, they should be getting ten points. We have to get them. In my opinion, we should, we have to get ten points really for the next four to stay to stay in touch with that Plymouth game um, coming. Um, and we'll have that game in hand against Oxford. So well, I think a, win, you know, a win would put us back on the two points per game. Yeah. So if you if you say if you took ten points from the next four games, we'd be at forty-one, wouldn't we? So that would be just over two a game. Um, and that's what we should be. We need to be targeting. Don't leave yourself with too much to do. And if we are streak, if you are a streaky team, well, we've just lost three, four games in the last six or whatever. You know, we've won a game now, so let's get stuck in and like let's get on a run again. You know, get the points on the board when you're on that. You're on that positive run, and then, you know, if a bad bad run comes, you need to get as far ahead of the game, let, you know, as possible to legislate for that. Really, mm. just looking at the next few games. So we've got um, obviously Shrewsbury, and then we travel down to Cambridge. It's not ideal. I think we could have, we would have liked to have been back home the weekend, James, wouldn't it? Um, it's probably not a bad time to go and travel away now. I think because that win did halt yeah. a bit of a a bit of a loop that you know that lose and run. So if they can go and get a win on the road now, it would have been ideal to come back and then the fans would have been back up in a buoyant mood. As we've said, not that they really lost that anyway. Yeah, I mean, so if you forget the um, uh, the next round of the trophy is then I think the next home game in the league's got to be Oxford, hasn't it? At the beginning of December. I'm just looking now. Yeah, so the next home league game. It's been rearranged yeah. for the fourth of December, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and then I mean, we got, well, then we got Mark on a few days after that at home. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, thinking back there. I mean, that uh, that game against um, Shrewsbury last season down there in February, uh, that was Sunderland's first um, first away defeat in the league. You know, they've gone through to February without losing away from home in in the league last year, and it was also the game when um, Jordan Willis. Uh, yeah. Ruptured his knee tendon, wasn't it? Yeah. Very early in the game. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, it was quite a, a dramatic game for a number of reasons, uh, all told. And and Steve Cottrell was uh, in hospital with COVID. 
you remember yeah. as well. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you, I'm, I'm with Gareth on, on these things. You look at the, these games and you think, well, you know, Crosby are at the wrong end of the table and so on and so on. But you can't, you can't just think you're going to go and, and uh, roll these teams over because uh, Sunderland have found in the past that it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Well, not just Sunderland have found found that. All teams have found that it doesn't just work that way. You know, if you try and, and look down a list of, of league fixtures and say, oh, that'll be okay and that'll be okay, that, that could be difficult. You know, you, you very rarely get it, right? I mean, um, you know, how many times have, have we um, have we seen this all, over the years? Um, I am pleased that, that they're going into this game um, tomorrow night having won at the weekend. Um, they needed to, to stop that, that rot. Uh, three... Uh, they've never lost more than three um, league games in a row at this level before. Um, so that, that run needed to be brought to an end. Um, and now it's, a, now it's a game. I mean, people people talk about Lee Johnson uh, being streaky and calling him Streaky Johnson, which is a nickname that, that he, he said to me, to me on Friday that, that bugs him a, a bit. Um, well, you're not going to embrace if, that, are you? <laughs> Well, if your if your next streak is is another eight is eight wins on the belt, then you know I'll take that all day long. You know, um, it's, it's it's used as a bit of a stick to beat you with streaky jo- streaky Johnson. But when when it's a winning streak, people don't complain. Um, I mean, my point that, that I made to him when we had the, the Zoom press conference on uh, on Friday is, as I said, well, if you're going to lose, let's say eight games over the course of a season, does it matter if you lose? two groups of four or four groups of two or eight one-offs scattered over the course of the season, you know, it amounts to the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm less bothered about whether the defeats come in a streak or not as to how many defeats there are. That's surely the important thing. I agree to an extent, but I think the issue is, you know, he's got the that reputation <clears throat> and like it's been referred to, you know, it was, I can't remember the pundit on Quest referred to him referred to him as Streaky Johnson, saying he's got the name reputation in the game itself. So it's not like fans are saying that this this you know. Well, we've adopted it. Than, it's, yeah, it's but they, yeah, yeah. So that goes it goes deeper than that. Then the issue he's got is you're exactly right in what you're saying that it doesn't matter when the defeats come. The, the problem is it's what do you, what comes at the end. When yes. you when you look at the forty six games, um, and there's not a promotion at the end of it, then that's that's why the criticism exists. If you could point yeah. and say, "Well, yeah, I did go on as losing streak of this many games, but then I went on a winning streak of this many games, and we got promoted." Yeah, that hasn't happened, so you can't point at that. So I think that's that's where it kind of falls down for him. If as soon as he gets something under his belt like a promotion, at that point he can point to that, can't he? And he can say, "Well, it doesn't matter from Street. Yeah, still there is the end goal has been achieved." He yeah. can't be accused of uh, not addressing the uh, too many draw situation. <laughs> we've drawn once in no. the league all season. <laughs> we, yeah. We've gone from like drawn nearly every single game for three years in this division to drawing one. And we've said it be fair as long as you turn most of those into wins, your your you point total is going to yeah. rack up. He's probably just got one or two more defeats than we, yeah. we would have hoped. It's still Sunderland's second best start at this level behind Jack Ross's first season down here. Um, and as I said, that we're just under two points a game, one point 
Um, my, you know, the, the massive issue, I think that's, that's what's done as far as the Shrewsbury research analysis has gone. Does Donald Love still pay for them? Has he moved on? <laughs> Who's that, Terry? Donald Love, is he still there? Has he moved on? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, actually. I'll Google it in a second. Um, he can't stay in two, one place for too long. He has to be, you have to spread the love, don't you? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> where, where is the love? That's the yeah, question. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Oh, there's just so many of those, isn't there? You could just keep going. We could do just keep going, just doing those puns all night. Um, I lost my train of thought now. All right. Okay. So, yeah. what is, um, what is, 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 is sort of annoying me, James? And we've not been able to get this away from this season after season. So, we're down here. Patched up sides again. Midfielders playing out of position. Oh, look, oh, now I'm playing the right position. Um, people just, you know, filling in gaps here, there, and everywhere. And it just seems to happen every season. This and it was all well and good. And Gareth touched on it earlier. Everybody saying, you know, when he let the likes of Max Power and Josh Scow and everybody leave and and didn't renew the contracts, and everybody was right. Yes, right, good, fresh start. You know, that's all well and good, but. If you don't have sufficient cover, then you end up back where we are now. And we are desperately short in fullback areas. And as Gareth alluded to earlier, I feel like we need a bit of leadership in the middle of the park as well. Because, you know, yes, you, Neil and Demel and bring the youth. Those players are going to be more inconsistent because they're younger and you're going to have to just accept that. So there's lots to do in January again. Well, there is. But the, the thing is, I mean, how much cover... How much cover do you want? I mean, the idea the idea is, or the, the, the often um, uh, quoted idea is to have two players for each position on on the pitch, isn't it? You know, um, but Sunderland's problem this season and last has been that the injuries they've got have all come in the same position. So last year it was centre backs, where they had uh, so many centre backs out, and right now it's full backs. I mean, they've got three uh, full backs out with Huggins. Hume and, and Dennis Serkin. Um, so any team is going to struggle if you have a, a rash of injuries in one particular area, aren't they? Um, if they if they only had, you know, one fullback and, and you get an injury and you've got no cover, then, you know, that's your own lookout. You're going to get criticised for that. But if you've got three or three players that can play left-back in Huggins, Hume and, uh, and Serkin, two, left, two specialist left-backs and um, Huggins that can play there, and if you've got three of them injured, I mean, should you have four left backs in your squad? You know, how many left backs do you want? Um, so this is where this is we'll why he's on the left backs. But does, does, but, does he does we we'll let him off with that? Does he have yeah. enough? Um, but, but but this is where having the players midfielders. Like Luke, but this is where having um, you know players like Luke O'Neill uh, and Carl Winchester for that matter are. Um, you know, su- such a, an asset because they do allow you to, and, and Lyndon Gooch as well, if you want to think about, you know, playing him him at fullback, they do give you those options. Players that can do a job, not in the long term, um, but, you know, on a short on a short term basis, they can fill in for two or three games um, and not let the side down. And, and that's so useful to a manager. And that's, and that's why I think people like... Um, Jack Ross. I think sometimes fans look at Luke O'Neill, for instance, because uh, we've spoken about him a lot, and think, "Well, what is he? Is he is he a left back? Is he a centre back? Is he a midfielder? What is he?" Whereas, uh, um, uh, you know, managers Jack Ross certainly, Phil Parkinson certainly have, have looked at, at them and looked at him and, and said, "This is great. I've got a guy that can 
do this and can can do this and this as well um and and they see that as a real strength um whereas other people some people think that because he's not a specialist or not necessarily a specialist in any one position that's a weakness but managers often see that as a strength because it enables them to they think well I don't actually need two players in this position because I can always move Luke there if necessary you know they, they see that as a strength and and I and I can I can see both sides of that argument um but I I think you know I I I are on on the side of the of versatility. To be honest with you, I like players that you can move to multiple yeah, positions. I get that. I think letting midfielders go and you know, to, to the top of my head, um, Scow and Ledbetter Power all left. They were all first teamers, um, and that's fine because you see, oh look, Dan Neil didn't play much this last season. But the fact of the matter was he was here, and the fact of the matter is Embleton was here, and we decided to loan him out. Mm-hmm because of lack of experience or whatever. Now, Evans, who had an outstanding debut back back in August against um, Wigan, has not arguably had a, a particularly good game since then, in my opinion. And um, he gets injured. And um, a lot of people are suggesting that, you know, he's he can be off the pace, particularly if he picks up an early yellow card like he did on Saturday. So for whatever the reason, you know, however we are here, we are here. And he needs some experience in the middle of the park, surely. Yeah. Evans hasn't had a run of games, has he? That's that's been the, the Will thing. he ever have that? Does Willie will, well, will his fitness ever allow for that? Well well this is this is it isn't it? Because um uh, you know he has had in, injury problems this season uh, and because at, right at the start of the season Luke O'Neill and Dan Dan Neil were playing so well there. Um, it, it, it meant that um, Evans wasn't getting a run of games and that does mean that he's going to take a bit of time to go up to speed. Um, you know, I'm finding it hard to, to judge Corey Evans still because I want to see him play six, seven, eight games in a row and then make a, a judgment on him based on that. Um, so, you know, I do think that he can be that experienced head in central midfield um, when when he signed for Sunderland, an agent te- that, that knows Corey Evans um, texted me and said Corey Evans will be a, a solid seven out of ten every week. Uh, and I think that once he's fit and once he gets a run of games, I think that that'll probably be right. I'm just not sure we can we can wait to see if that's going to happen, Gareth. Do you think? Yeah, that'll be the position you'd say. You can obviously look at him, and again, it's a player who's played consistently at a high level you know, for most of his career. But he's had those injuries and, you know, I guess, like James says, if he does get going, then yeah, he could be a 7 out of 10 every week. But I think I'd sort of agree with yourself, Steve, and say I can't really, on the evidence seeing we can't really wait for that to happen. Can't really take a chance on that. And if it's either bringing in a right back and releasing Winchester into midfield um, or... You know, bringing in a, a central midfielder, um, I'd definitely be looking to do that. You'd um, go for that because you know we know. <laughs> I can't believe we're going to mention this again. <laughs> we know the Luke or Nine can play there. Yeah. We know, and we know Winchester can play either can play side. You can play they, they, either yeah. side. We know both of those are competent at fullback, so it's less. There's less risk in that for us because we've seen it. We've seen yeah. the evidence of it. Playing for Sunderland to a decent level, a right back or fullback, so. We need to to be investing in the middle of the park, surely. 
Oh, seems sensible just, to me. Yeah, let's just get one of each. That's fine. That's we've solved the problem then. Mm. Yeah, we've got, the depth, a, we've got the depth and we've got the adaptability there. Uh, you, you got anything, James? Any sort of uh, suggestions <laughs> from the inside about what they're going to do in January or what they want to do? Um, I don't think that they're going to they're going to do major surgery in in January. I think that they're going to try and uh, you know just strengthen a couple of key positions, maybe bring in one two players. Um, but I don't think you're going to see massive. Uh, turnover of players in January. In a way, I think they've been quite pleased with with the with the uh, crop that they brought in in the summer, and they'll try and sort of build on that gradually. Um, and and I'm I'll be pleased to, to see Sunderland go into a transfer window where they're trying to build incrementally and where it's not an absolute panic station. Of, um, you know, we must get a striker. We're not scoring enough goals. We must. You know, they are having to obviously cover positions where they've got injuries that's you know that just comes with with part of being football but uh, it's um I, I like the idea that they do seem to have some kind of a recruitment strategy and plan now um you know, the strategy and plan won't be to everybody's taste never is you know some people will always think they should spend more some people will always think they should bring in younger players and not so many experienced heads, you know, it's just that's just different people's opinion. But at least they have a plan and they seem to be operating to it now. Mm-hmm. Somebody with a little bit know-how for me in the middle of the park to sort of guide Neil and Nemutland through, right? Um, any, any particular name you'd like to attach to? I haven't, I haven't gotten that far, James. Uh, you know, <laughs> very much make us up as we go along, you know. You know, do, um, do, do, you know do, I think the January thing is going to be really interesting. Somebody from because, the championship is all out. Yeah, say. like who's 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 played maybe played regularly up until this season. And I know you could see Evans fits into that category, um, but you know it's the right kind of profile in a way of somebody who's been playing in the championship and they're, and they're a regular and they're fine. But for whatever reason this season, perhaps the football's dried up a little bit and they say, "No, I, go, I want to go and play." That's the kind yeah. of. But somebody who brings some energy. Because the things Luke O'Neill were doing to complement Neil and Emberton were winning the second balls, winning things in the air. He is a a good... Dan Neil's acknowledged that he's a good talker with him in the middle of the park and he tells him sometimes when to make runs. That's all fine. I would say somebody like that who's maybe a little bit of a higher standard. I'd agree. I think that, as I was saying, you know, the January last year was an interesting one. Um... The recruitment team was sort of newly in place, and so they had a kind of free pass. Um, <clears throat> a bit more scrutiny in the summer, and a lot of people saying this is the this is the fruits of our labour, and this is all all the good stuff that we've we've been planning and we've executed it. So this January, what they've had fifteen months to get it in place, you know. If people were happy with our position in in the summer, then surely six months on, we're going to be in, a, in an even better position from a profile and player perspective. Harder to get players in in January, yeah, but if we're working on the basis that our plan's been executed correctly, the pool of players that would be available should be of the standard required um, to to improve the squad. That's what my hope is. So always scrutiny in the windows, isn't there, on on the recruitment team and the strategies and whether or not that, you know, what they've been saying and what they're actually delivering align 
and you know, depending on the position we're in 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 January, you know, we could go on a great run, and everyone could be in form, and we've got players coming back from an injury, and people might have a different opinion by by sort of December time. They might be going all oh, well, you know, we're we're in the top two again, and we've won you know six of our last eight games. We don't really have to do anything, but the problems will still be there if if it if it falls down. Um, it'll be really interesting to see. You know what? What the names that are on the list, um, and and if they can get them in. Yeah. Well, Chris has finally updated that graphic. You know that I've been like drip feeding. Did he text? Did he text him during text the party? Him. Well, I, I didn't know if I missed this. it because obviously I wasn't around on Saturday, so I didn't have done it. Um, but he's, he's so tweet, tweeting from the tweeting that isn't a when you can thing. You've got to do it. Like <laughs> um, you've got to do it every Saturday. Sunderland, if you go off just points per game, Sunderland would actually be fourth in the table. So it does look all right when you when you when you consider that the Sun under Jack Ross will be top of the list, this league um, now. Um, but it's quite you know it's it's quite significantly better than the other two starts we've had. So that is something, isn't it? It's you know a good four points clear of the of the the start we had this time last season and five points clear of the one before. So when you look well, at the big picture, like that, not all doing. No, let's. And we're let's... only five points off top, and we've got two games in hand, and we've got Plymouth to play, Plymouth and we've got play. a nice run of games. This is, this is oh, every, fine, season. every season. Every season, every season, we end up having these similar conversations. Let's see where we're at later in the week. As I said, if you want more match analysis stuff or reaction and uh, to what happened on the pitch, go back listen to the reaction pod. Um, hopefully, we've got a win to talk about, and uh, Matt and Tom and whoever will be back. Um, later in the week to go over that and to look ahead to the weekend when we travel down to what are, Cambridge. What are we going to do on Monday? Um, we will be in London. We will. Yeah. So we'll have to. We we could record one in the put in the Possibly. pub, couldn't we? Well, we, well, we're all there, so we're going to have to. Yeah. So nobody yeah. else is going to do it, are they? Well, yeah, in London, ready to. Um, See somebody lose. else win an award. Yeah. <laughs> ready to lose um, an award. But, you know, nice to be there, wasn't it? So, uh, <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.